Today, we're going to be talking about remothering yourself or parenting yourself, getting that which you need from yourself versus going and running around all of creation and your parents and friends to kind of fill in those blanks in life of what you need emotionally, spiritually, physically. But I think also the more important uh, message here is to also teach your children, if you have them, how to parent themselves in those moments when you can't be there for them. So even if you are or aren't a parent, this is a great topic for everybody. So stay with us. Hello, everyone. This is Meredith with a Y, and I am your host, Meredith Willits. Today, we are going to go deep, changing lives, and I am giving you the keys to the castle. Tonight, we're talking about remothering yourself, and I, or mothering yourself, remothering yourself. I have talked to you about this since I learned about it, and I taught a class on it, actually, which you were with me as a, as a viewer on that. But I wanted to talk about it because I think that it was probably one of the biggest game changers of my life as not only a child, but also as a parent, because it allowed me to empower myself from, and when I say mothering, it could be parenting. You know, you could say reparenting yourself, but from the parent wound. And then also talking to you kids, I have four kids, Skylar being one of them, and looking at you and saying, I'm never going to show up the way you need me to every time. And so when I don't, because I'm, I'm fallible, I'm a broken human, I have my issues, I'm distracted, whatever, I'm trying to have my own life as well, then you need to look to yourself to get it, what it is that you need from yourself. And to me, that was a game changer because it took so much pressure off of my childhood but it also, I feel, takes all the guilt and pressure and the negative kind of commesh between my kids and myself. And I mean, because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it right. I'm just not. And you actually got into this by taking a class on it, right? And then you kind of delved and dove deeper into what remothering is. So what I did is it was kind of like a one-hour kind of and talking about what mothering was. And I actually interviewed a gal about mothering and remothering. And she does like a whole like classes and all she does a lot on it. But then I just really started taking that concept and then using what it is that I do and just figuring out how it's working for me and how do I take my, you know, how do how do you take your parents off the pedestal? And I actually had an appointment today where I talked to someone about that because they were kind of in their middle age and they're still pushing against their, their parents. They're still having shame and guilt and frustration from the parent child relationship. And I'm like, when is enough enough? And Exactly. And so, you know, one of the first things that I say, if you, and this is the thing, you could have had the best childhood, the best parents, but you brought home that art project. You brought home your first boyfriend, girlfriend, you brought home news of your new job and mom was on the phone. Dad just got home from a long day at work. Their response, the look on their face, their excitement, their surprise, whatever it was, didn't align with your expectations. It could literally be 
that minuscule that kind of starts this frustration, the push against, yeah, Mm -hmm. the rebellion. I mean, and so what I'm saying is, is whatever it was, whatever it looked like, whatever was going on with your parents and yourself, okay? And when I say parents, it could be biological, adoptive, grandparents, aunt and uncle, whoever raised you, guardian figure, whoever raised you. The first step, in my opinion, is is to take them off the pedestal, the perfection pedestal. I think for me, uh, a big thing for that was, and I'm, we said it last week, I think as well, is that no one comes out unscathed. Mm-hmm. Your parent is not perfect. And I think the hardest thing in the entire world, and for me, I, I feel like as kids, we see our teachers on this pedestal. And now I'm over here with teacher friends. And I'm like, this girl literally gets drunk every weekend. Like, <laughs> like as a child, that was the greatest person in the world. But the reality of them is that we are still all flawed. We're still flawed. We still have a life. We still are, you know, wanting to do what we want to do. I mean, I know for myself, Emerson was just talking to me. That's my 13-year-old about the fact that she didn't want to go to these hockey tryouts because Jim, my husband, is taking her. And I was in the middle of rescheduling two appointments and responding to a bunch of messages. I had a full day of appointments today. And she got up and she walked away in a huff because I was on my phone because she was trying to get to me. And I was busy inside of my own head and my own space. And she probably looks at that as a slight but it has nothing to do with her at all. It has to do with I am still my own humans with my own wants and needs and desires and goals and all of that. And my entire life isn't only being a mom or a wife. And so to take, to, to tell your kids or as a child of your parents to say, look, you're not perfect and they're not perfect and their flaws And this is a thing about being either a narcissist, egomaniac, or a child. Their flaws are not because of you. Their mishap, their not showing up, their wrong face, their wrong whatever, has absolutely nothing to do with you and who you are and how much they love you or how much they like you. Now, granted, as soon as I start saying that, I hear in my head, well, yeah, there are parents that are just complete jerks, only will always care about themselves. But you can even in this space go, you know what? And I'm still not putting you on a pedestal. I'm still done holding you accountable. And you're a broken human that's not going to get out of this unscathed. And you're scathed because of your parents or something that happened or because you are have behavioral issues or mental illness or depression or anxiety. And so you have a hard time being a parent, but I'm not going to suffer because of it. I'm not going to choose that suffering. I'm not going to choose that suffering for one more minute. Because, okay, you in that situation with Emerson had the reflection to go, I was just busy. I was on my phone. Right. And maybe you were able to correct that and go, hey, Emerson, I have two seconds for you now. What's up? Like, now let me talk to you. But if a parent isn't able to do that, right, you can't sit with that pain. You cannot sit with that pain. Yeah. And, And that's the thing is, you know, she could spend the rest of the night saying, oh, my gosh, my mom didn't even care enough 
to pay attention to me. She doesn't care about me. She doesn't care about my problems. No one cares about me. And spiral. So, right. The world is against me. You know, no one, if my, if my, and here we go. Ready? If my own mother can't even care, listen, pay attention, who's going to? I mean, it starts to turn into this whole vortex of victimization when I was just rescheduling an appointment because Lord knows if I don't do it the minute I see it, it doesn't get done. And then I call the person on the wrong day and then it's a whole fiasco because, you know, dementia. And it has nothing to do with her. Literally nothing to do with her. And you know what? I had a great day. There's some people that are going to have a horrible day and the kid's going to go, mom, mom, mom. They're in their own planet but they had a bad day on top of that, or they have anxiety, or, 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 and they're like, what? Right? And so, and then that spirals. There's, the thing of it is, is that, like like you said, and I think this is to completely to your point, is I think that kids hold parents to an impossible standards when it's a normal parent situation. Like, I'm a normal mom. I'm not over here on drugs. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not running around on my husband. You know, the laundry's done, the dishes done. Normal two parent household, even one parent household, right? And even at my best, totally fail all the time. Even at part two, part two. This yeah. is like your second go around. Second go around with totally different kids, with a completely amazing husband, and I still fall short. And I'm ruining my children as we speak. Now, how do you go about having this conversation with Emerson? How did you go about having this conversation? I guess me and you and I are a little bit different, but maybe you and Cody without sounding like, hey, I'm a human, like right. very Flip. flippant about it. How do you sound real and actually come at someone and be like, I am human? Right. Well, for me... I remember I called you and said, hey, I'm learning about this remothering stuff. And I do want to go back to my experience and how me looking at mothering myself changed that as well. Because I want anyone that's watching this out there to understand that this is super beneficial for you to do, even if you did have the perfect relationship with your parents. And I'll explain why in a minute. But I literally sat, uh, because I was so excited about it. I sat Brock and Emerson down. I think I called you and I said, oh my gosh, this is the most amazing concept. It's about mothering yourself. And, you know, it's, you guys really need when you need something, when you, when you're looking to get something from me or feedback or whatever, I need you to understand that I can't always show up the way you want me to. And whatever it is that you need to really try to go within to find that for yourself. If I'm not available physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually, if I am not available, you need to go, wow, I did a great job on this paper. And that's enough for me because my mom is for whatever reason, or my dad is not available emotionally right now. And even if they are available, that's not really what I'm looking for anyways. I was looking for all these other different exclamations or congratulations or whatever. And so I need to really look to myself and go, wow, it's good enough for me. 
And I've done with this with you guys all the time to a fault. I know you all hate it. When I say, boy, you should really be proud of yourself because I wanted to train you guys up to not look to me for your self-esteem, to not look to me for you to feel good about yourself. And that was like, I've been doing that forever. Well, you know, I that think that welcome. stems from single mother Meredith having an experience of no one being there to tell her, hey, you're doing a great job. I mean, you were single, raising two kids, and then about to move, you know, start a new life, new husband, all that good stuff. Yeah. I think that that's where that energy stemmed from. And I feel like that energy kind of pushed you into the remothering and it kind of transitioned you in a sense. Yeah. So for myself, and there's been so many different little whispers that have come to me about remothering, but I spent probably 48 years really trying to get the oohs, the ahs, the, you know, acceptance, the, I mean, I remember when I was telling my mom that I was doing energy medicine and, you know, total body analysis and all that. And um, she's like, you should really be a pharmacist. You should go to pharmacy school. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's literally the 180 of energy medicine, like giving people drugs. Right. But in her world growing up, that was a legitimate, good, healthy, wonderful career for a person to have. So, it, you know, it made perfect sense for her. You're smart. You understand these things. You should do this. It's a three-year college on top of your four-year. And you can go be a pharmacist and it's in a clean environment, whatever. And But for me, I was literally such an oddball in my family. I always have been. That it seemed that no matter what I brought forward it kind of fell funny. It just didn't translate for whatever reason. And so I was like really never getting the feedback because I was never understood. So it was like, I'm bringing in this and they're coming in and it's just like, we're missing each other. And so when you're always missing each other, and you not know. in a malicious way, just not, in a... Not, it's not bad. It's just, I'm a weirdo and they're very normal people. And so so when we would miss each other, I would be the one that was coming up short because I'm coming in, oh my gosh, I'm doing intermittent. I'm psychic. I'm a medium. I'm doing this. I'm all blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, huh? What? I don't understand what you're saying. And they would try to be supportive, but I would just end up feeling short. And so when you're in that energy of scratching and clawing and wanting and needing and never getting there, many, many different things can happen. You can, you know, feel shame. You can feel like bad about yourself, you know, low self-esteem. You could give up. You could just stop or you can get very angry and resentful. And so I spent a lot of time feeling ostracized and upset and resentful. And through the mothering, the mothering of myself, not that there's anything wrong with my dad or my mom, but through getting what I needed from myself to an absolute fault, never, ever again needing anything from my parents as far as support or the verbal recognition or them even getting it at all. I mean, think, think about that. Like my parents are in their seventies and I'm like, oh, so I'm like on this app and I'm like doing a podcast and I'm a psychic medium and I'm doing all these things. And it's just like, uh, okay, 
I, nope, I don't understand that at all. So, you know, it would make sense that I'm going to keep missing it. I think that my mom probably connected me most when I was in the fashion industry. She understood there's a product, there's fashion shows, you're selling it online. I know people buying the dress. And so that was easy to be supportive of. But when your kids or you as a child are in a, a in a, a livelihood or you're dating someone or you're traveling the world and it's not in line with a completely different generation's idea of success or normalcy you just might miss each other you're gonna you're gonna just right and so i decided i'm not going to look to my parents anymore for approval or their opinions or any of it I'm going to be completely autonomous within all of the things that I'm doing, all of the things that I want to do. And inside of that, I got more emboldened because I wasn't pushing against. I wasn't rebelling. I wasn't looking for approval. I wasn't looking for love. I wasn't looking for anything ever again. And what's so interesting, and I talk to people about this all the time because I coach people with regard to marriage and all that stuff. When you silo, when you become your own person and your spouse, your mom, your dad, your whatever becomes their own person, you enter a relationship that you want to be in versus an enmeshed codependent relationship. And when that happens, you show up because you want to, not because you need anything from them. And it is a game changer. And I think that it changed you and I's relationship. I know, sorry, I've got like a fluffy sweater on and it's like totally making my nose itch because of the fluffka. There goes one right now. So I think it totally changed you and I's relationship because I was like, don't need me. Stop needing me. Because I won't, I, I'm never going to be available when you call. I've got appointments all day. I'm never going to respond the way you need me to or to be excited in the way you need me to. And let's just be friends. I mean, I'm still your mom, but in a different capacity. I think that this also is translated into a lot of your friendships because in the past, I really saw you you needing the approval of your medium side, you needing your friends to be accepting, supporting, excited for you. Yeah. And I think that when you went through this remothering and when you did this transition, you could give a shit if they cared, if they supported, if they watched, if they did anything of that nature. And so I think for you seeing this not only in your parents – but I see this in every sense of yourself. Yeah. 100%. It was funny too, because I was just, where was I? I was just someplace. Oh, I was at a, a thing yesterday and there was like 400 women there. And I remember thinking like, either before I would have been embarrassed of saying I'm a psychic medium and I do spiritual counseling, or I would have been like, oh, I'm going to tell them this and let's see what happens with it. Like it was almost like a litmus test of, people. And now I just don't give a shit at all. Like now I don't care. And, and I, and it, what's interesting too, is I also don't look to my husband for approval. I've literally, because of changing out of looking for approval from a mother or parent figure, like you said, it has, it has gone across all of my relationships, which so speaks to last week. It's almost like a villain era because I'm just saying, 
I am not looking outward in any way, shape or form. I am not using my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, my friends, my husband, my kids as my mirror to figure out who the hell I am. I don't need to look to anybody, nor does anyone else. And But inside of that, then your friendships become delicious. Your husband becomes delicious because they are just the sprinkles on the cake. And I, and I think it was two weeks ago, we were, or whenever we were talking about something to do with the relationships and you were, you, I think you were saying, or maybe it was just you and I, how, if you're not going to be single, that person better bring something better than you enjoying your time by yourself. They have to be a benefit for to your life. And when you stop running around like a lunatic looking for everybody to tell you how pretty you are, how smart you are, how awesome you are, how whatever how many the benefits hell, you have. Right? When you don't need anyone to tell you who you are, to tell you your worth, to tell you your worth, to tell you anything, to tell you you're a good mom to tell you you're a good dad or a good student, you know. And so this whole mothering of self or parenting of self and finally using you as your own feedback. But we're so taught in life to use the world around us. Am I pretty? Am I thin? Am I smart? Am I, you know, dumb? Do I have more money than them? Am I dressed nicer? Is my waist smaller? We literally use the world. I mean, this, this, this conversation is so layered because, you know, we can't really have this conversation without saying, you know, are you judging the world and are you letting the world judge you? It's this whole thing. So to really mother yourself is to remove all judgment and value of judgment of others to self, which is a completely different way to live. Completely different. Completely different way to live. Because you're not, you're not compartmentalizing the world around you. And, and, and actually, it's just watching this video the other day on Alexa. And there's this woman, she came up with a, like a class or a co- like a college for self-worth. And it was talking about your self-worth starts at home as a small child. And then your self-worth grows based on where you fit in in society by leveling, which is self-judgment. You're judging yourself, you're judging others because you cannot judge others without judging yourself and you cannot judge yourself without judging others. There's no way around it because you're constantly leveling. You're constantly trying to figure out where you, you stand on the planet. And as you start to remove judgment of others and remove judgment of self, because the way you speak about the world is the way you talk to yourself. So if you want to stop being awful to yourself, stop being awful to the world around you. That, that hate and judgment lives inside of you. But as we stop living our life in this way of judging, because that is just us trying to make us feel better about ourselves, right? My hair is better than hers. Oh, look at she's heavier than I am. Oh, he doesn't have this education. They drive that car when you really have no idea anything about a person's life. You're just trying to figure it out on the fly. It's like, what's the show, the bluest, the book we read, The Bluest Eye. As long as someone, as long as someone, one person is uglier, worse, poorer, less than, than her. That was Maya Angelou, right? The Bluest Eye. 
I think. Uh, I think so. But yeah, I mean, and so this all comes back to really siloing yourself. And I think it's funny that when I say that to some people, they think it sounds selfish or alienating. And to me, when I consider siloing myself, really become going inward, figuring out who I am without using mom, wife, daughter, without using any of these things that are in relationship to other people or not using your opinion of me, really just kind of, because when you say, oh, you're a good mom, I can either shrink away from that and be like, oh, that's just uh, mm -mm," making excuses or you're a bad mom up self-worth, self-worth, you know, and And so I just say, I'm just the mom that I'm capable of being every single day. I just am going to show up. I'm not running around looking for self-reflection from other people, from reflection from other people. I look to myself. I think something that I wanted to um, say and share is that you, when you talk to me and you interact with me, you don't not tell me your accomplishments. You don't not tell me what you're excited about. You just don't get upset with me for my reaction. So that's the difference of the fact that you're not giving up. You're not Mm -mm. removing the energy of being excited with me or wanting to tell me. We're just not getting mad if it's not the response of expectance. Yeah. I mean, it's funny too, because like when I am doing something and I do share it with you, it's super weird. This the whole energy around it, it really removes a lot of heavy ego Because I'm not saying, look at what I've done. Tell me how pretty I am. Tell me what a good job I'm doing. I'm literally just sharing from a very base place. I'm not going, feed my ego and tell me how smart I am. And whatever your reaction is going to help me feel better about myself. I'm just exchanging information, which I have seen translate over into social media. Because, I mean, people are just the nicest of the nicest on TikTok. And, oh, you're so beautiful. Oh, your hair. Oh, your curls. Oh, your makeup. I mean, literally. And it doesn't affect my day, good, bad, or ugly, any more than if someone came on and was like, you're the ugliest person. It, it's And it, this is not an ego thing that I do or don't believe them. It's a matter of that doesn't fuel my soul. Now, when someone says I was going to unalive myself today and your words helped that I'm like, okay, perfect. Keep going, Meredith. It's more of a keep going Meredith energy, mm-hmm. but it's, it's not going to change the direction of my words or my path. I, I find that within myself and it's way more empowering. And I use this with even working out and eating right. I used to have my entire physical existence based on my outward appearance, and the way people perceived me. Again, going outside of self. Do they think I'm fat or thin? Do they think I have a good body? Am I working out enough? I need to starve myself. I need to whatever because then this person or that person will think I'm attractive. And through this whole remothering situation, reparenting of self, I'm learning that my body isn't for anyone but me. When I work out, it's so that when I'm 80, I'll be able to walk the wall of China versus sitting in a recliner. You know what I mean? I really look at now my body as being only mine. I'm not looking around for approval. So when I talk about mothering of self, it is 
body, mind, soul, physical, job, parenting, everything that you do in a day, really finding it from yourself, which is so much more empowering. Because if I were working out to get in a, you know, a Vata girl from my husband or from someone where I go do something, it as long as he's, if he stops saying it, if people stop telling me how pretty I look, then what? Then do I stop working out? Then is it, does, does, is anyone paying attention? And this is so interesting as we're talking about this, Skylar, because this desire from childhood, this desire to be wanted and accepted by other people, when does that start? Is this a human behavior? Is this a societal thing that's, you know, a United States A thing? positive reinforcement. Yeah, I mean- Everyone wants a positive reinforcement. It's, it's so interesting, but then it turns around and can backfire so bad if it doesn't go your way. So then how would you even raise a kid without wanting some type of positive reinforcement from its parent? I mean, I think that this really comes down to giving kids choices, allowing them to make the choice and then supporting and being like, yeah, great choice. Yeah. Perfect. When a kid brings you their artwork. Yeah. You did a beautiful, what do you think? Do you like what you did there? Well then great. That's all that matters. Constantly turning that mirror. Which as you say that makes me so uncomfortable. Like if you said that to me, I'd be like, so you don't like it. Right. Isn't that, but isn't that funny? Like that, I was like, that's kind of a rude thing to say to a child. I know, but think about it. (laughs) But it's not. It totally makes sense because it's building it in themselves. Find it in yourself. doesn't matter what I think about your art. It doesn't matter what I think about your math grade. What matters is what you think about it. And you know what? Some people might say that this is an impossible goal, but I believe that even if you work this into being supportive of your kid and you know what being supportive of your child or, you know, being supportive of yourself is a lot of times it's just showing up and Hey, great game. Or, Hey, how'd you think you played there? I thought, yeah, I thought it was great. So maybe it's, you did a great job. What'd you think? It's almost in the lesser sense. I remember one time we were walking around in the mall and we saw a family and they're like, I just bought my kid a toy from the Disney store because he was good the whole time at the mall. And me and you and I were aghast. We were like, who would buy their kid a toy for being good? People do it. But in a sense, that's just a dramatic good job. That's just a dramatic pat on the back. So why were we aghast there? When they were like, the kid should just behave. The kid should just want to do that. So why were we aghast there? But in the other hand, shouldn't the kid just want to do good as a baseball game? Right. And and what's so interesting, though, is maybe a lot of this, because I do see it in sports now that we're talking about it, is the parent is either you're so awesome or you were a whopping piece of shit today screaming and and screaming and losing their mind on their kid because they missed a ball or whatever. And I mean, I've watched kids play sports and the entire time their eyes are watching their parents to see if they're doing a good enough job. I mean, you've been at baseball games with me, with, with the kids and the kids, you know, the whole time side-eyeing the parent, am I doing okay? Are you watching me? Am I going to get in trouble? And so, you know, this is the thing. 
the the extreme of not finding self is by way of that. You know, so if you want your kids to be a disaster who are rebelling and can't find themselves out of a paper bag, make sure and yell at them at sports and at school and, you know, constantly never letting them find their own autonomy in anything that they do. You know, what's interesting is it's a spectrum like everything in life. There's a spectrum of Never telling your kid anything, but what do you think? How do you think you did on the field? How do you think you did at pitching? You know, all your opinion matters to not allowing the kid to have any autonomy and everything that that child does is a direct reflection of you. And so I'm sure somewhere in the middle, there's there's the sweet spot of you did a beautiful job today. How do you think you did? you know, where you're supportive and then slowly probably pulling back a little by little. But, you know, for the people that are watching right now who are children of parents, I think that, you know, the first step is to take your, your, your parents off the pedestal, recognize that they are scathed by way of their childhood, their experience, whatever. And that, you know, they're human, You know, Mm -hmm. they're just, they have rough days. They're confused. They have bad relationships. They're fighting. They have financial problems, you know, and, and it goes back, well, I didn't ask to be born. Well, yeah, but once you were here already, (laughs) that's, you know, the problems still kept coming, you know, and, and I think that when we look at parents that are trying to do a good job, parents that are showing up every day and still falling short, the proof is in the pudding that parenting, no matter how good, bad, or ugly, is still going to fall short of perfect and that we have to parent ourselves when we can't find it from the world around us. And then we just get so used to it that we look to self for everything that we need, which I think is great personally. 100%. So how has this affected you since I told you to leave me all alone? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, in the same senses in the, that I stopped looking at my friends for the support of who I am. I stopped caring what other people think. I think it's really funny. My apartment is the craziest apartment ever. There's like polka dots on the wall and cow print and, every, and everything. And when people walk into our space, I don't say anything. Like, I don't care. It's like, it's just my apartment. But Clever's like, don't you guys love our space. Right. Isn't it beautiful? And he'll like go into a whole art exhibit. And I'm like, that's not what it's like. I love that people love the space. Don't get me wrong. That's yeah. cool. But I, the you space is for me. Yeah. So in that sense, I feel like I just have put more on what I like, what makes me feel good. And then with that, the weight of what that feels like is a lot. Like to, to figure out who you are as a person without caring what anyone thinks no outside yeah it's a lot it it and and for that in the sense too i i think for me but is it more than but is that a lot more than running around trying to make everyone like what you're doing and being worried about everyone's approval which is more a lot taking the time to figure out who you are and what you want or running around making everybody happy and getting their approval and praises. So I would say the shift was a lot because you're a very strong opinionated mother. (laughs) So growing up, she was not 
she was a beautiful mother. She was the greatest mother ever. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. But um, in the sense that distinguishing your opinion from my opinion and having to break the two of those apart and realizing that they were completely separate voices. Yeah was so extremely difficult that you almost gaslight yourself. Right. Like, like for the longest time, it took me two and a half years to get a cat because for the longest time I was like, cats are disgusting creatures. I had I, cats when I was your age, by the way. Yeah. And you've told me my entire life, yeah. you never get cats. Because you should never buy They pulled my clothes out of my closet and pooped on them. Never cut your hair, Skylar. Long, beautiful hair. So it's almost like the gaslighting in your... These are not attacks on Meredith. These right. are just examples. No, that's fine. So it's the gaslighting yourself of being like, no, no, she's right. Like the the, the long hair looks great. Cats are awful. <laughs> and then finally like breaking that and being like, where did my voice come from? Where right. did these opinions, where did this playing energy come from? And I think that that is where the empowerment comes from because it's it's intimidating. But once you get there... And I think that this usually happens with people in their 30s, 29, 30, 31. It takes like 10 years to lose the mom voice. You know, you're just probably doing it at 23 years old, 22 years old, because of the fact that, you know, you live far away from me. You went through four years of college away from me. So you were given that space to, you know, start to find yourself and start to hear your own voice. And me being a mom who's doing the work also learned to shut my voice down so that yours could get louder. Right. And so how do you think that I mean, when, when you're talking about that, it's like it's almost catapulting you into like age 27 as far as maturity and knowing who you are because of the fact that you didn't have to spend 10 years finding yourself because you're like, okay, I'm just going to start figuring out what my opinion is on cats and tattoos and drinking. But I mean, think about people that are raised in extremely religious households where it's, you know... You can't have sex till you're married. If you do, you're going to hell. I mean, you're a bad person. Let's look at my roommate, for example, and delve into that. I, I met him when he was closeted, had not come out to his family yet, very religious background. And then coming from that experience and seeing him change out of that, he, he always, and I wish he was on so I could pull him up on stage, but he's always like, it was so jarring yeah. to watch you literally say the words, I don't give a fuck. Like, like, like to hear those words come out of your mouth was jarring. Yeah. And so I think that friends, people from religious backgrounds, even just watching this sense of turning the mirror onto yourself, as you would say, yeah. shining the light onto yourself and going, what do you want? What do I think? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do and, I want? And it is hard. It was harder for him than more so it was for me. It was more emotional, more trauma, more therapy. But Well, you know, I, I, I also, I, I, I remember being like, you know, 18, 17 years old and you leave your parents' house and you kind of become an extension of your family. You know, you, you want to decorate like them, you dress like them, you do your makeup like them, you kind of drive the car that they drive, you know, you want to have family reunions or dinners or breakfast, even the way you cook. You know, there's so much extension from family, you know, so often or complete rebellion. And so it's 
when it's not bad, I wonder if it's harder to break away from it. Cause it's like, well, it's not, my mom's not doing it wrong. I just don't know what my way of doing those things are. And so it's interesting that sometimes maybe coming from a good household or an easier household can be more difficult to find your own voice because, you know, it does kind of morph. It it morphs from just beige to gray instead of black to white or white to black or pink, you know? And so inside of that, you know, you it takes sometimes 10 years to figure out who the hell you are, even away from your high school. I mean, I remember even like, doing things on Facebook and being like, oh my gosh, what's everyone going to think about this? And I know that sounds stupid, but you know, it's hard to make a way for yourself when, you know, you, you, you're not really sure where you're coming from or where you're going and, and you want people's approval. So to turn and mother self and parent yourself and be your own person, I think is a huge catalyst to change and growth. Huge. I think it's literally the best, fastest way that you're going to figure out who you are, where you're going, and you know, keep those blinders on so that you know and find yourself faster, and then you're going to find where you're headed in this lifetime. 100%. 100%. I think it was a lot easier as well that both you and I got to remother ourselves away from the secular where we grew up. Yeah. I think that kind of helped us a little bit more than someone who would have to stay in the home. Well, and and not just that, even in the same city, even, I would not be the person that I am today if I lived where I grew up because there would be the definition of who Meredith is and what she looks like and what she's like and what we expect from her. And to break out of that mold as far as my family, friends, and the community to truly break away from that mold with the constant judgment or scrutiny or under the eye of all of those different groups of people, I think is much more difficult. You know, with every move that our family has made, I've grown and grown and grown. I'm way different of a person than I was even in Florida, which was only four years ago. I mean, I feel that I'm a completely different person than I was four years ago. And then go when Jim and I got married in 2007, I mean, I had only been on a plane a couple of times. What? You know, and so as we move away from people that have expectations of us, our mothers, our parents, we are able to break the mold and figure out why we're here on this planet which I think this, I love this conversation. I love talking about this because I think it's the most empowering thing that you can do as a person is turn the mirror back on yourself and figure out where you're headed. I think bar none, it's the fastest way to progress without a doubt. And I believe it starts with cutting that cord, that enmeshed codependent cord with your parents and to an extent with your children and helping them to parent themselves from, you know, a young age, not, you know, not two, five, but maybe as they while move. still steering them. Yeah. While still steering them and letting them feel supported and supportive and safe, but also letting them find their own voice. I think this is a profoundly important topic of conversation. 
I 100% agree. I think that there's nothing else. It, I feel every week our conversation kind of stems a little bit deeper and deeper and relates back to one another because yeah. if you can't find your own voice, then how are you going to speak up to not be nice? Right. Yeah. To not stick up for yourself, to find your villain era. Like, how does it all relate? How it all relates. So I love this. Well, thank you for taking this time to have this conversation with me every single week at seven o'clock. I appreciate you, Skylar. 8 p.m. Eastern time. (laughs) 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central here on Fireside. If you're watching us simulcast, we are here live on Fireside every single Monday night at 7 Central, 8 Eastern, or you can watch us on the simulcast on Facebook or YouTube, or sometimes I even throw these up on my Meredith with a Y podcast, which releases every Tuesday. I will be live again tomorrow at 7 Central, 8 Eastern with Monica Morton on our show, Strong Boss Bitches. Tomorrow we are talking about why some people have it and others don't. So tune in for that. Thank you so much for being here, Skylar. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Love. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect on a more personal level, head over to MeredithWillets.com or on Instagram at Meredith with a Y for behind the scene footage and outtakes. Please subscribe and come back each week for more Meredith with a Y. Thanks again for listening. Cheers.